It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app on Black Monday, where Ron Rivera was dismissed today. Following four years, uh, Josh Harris deciding to go in a different direction. Um, This is obviously a huge day uh, where we'll spend most of our time focusing on looking back at at Rivera and kind of what went wrong and and where that leaves us. We have endless amounts of time to look forward. Uh, What will be an ever-changing dynamic is different people are interviewed, different guys get uh, job requests, or uh, sorry, different guys get hired. Um, Those people make different decisions. Um, It's worth mentioning, as we did off the top of the show, that uh, Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney and Eric Bieniemy, probably the three biggest names remaining, uh, remain with the team as of right now. But that was something that will change moving forward, likely when the new people are hired. Um, something that uh, was talked about today with the remaining coaching staff and, and front office members by Josh Harris. Um, and actually, tell you what, here's exactly what Harris said on that before I give you the list of names that have already been requested to be interviewed and then uh, more from Harris on kind of where the team goes and, and why now is the right time to make this room, this move as if the 4-13 and record wasn't self-evident enough. I spoke with um, <clears throat> the front office leadership and, and, the, and the coaching staff, some of the coaches today, and, you know, I appreciate that. From their, view, from their point of view, there's uncertainty, um, but I've just asked them I've, to be a, a part, to bear with us and to just – uh, to do their jobs, right? Uh, to continue to run the football team, uh, and you know, everyone to a person has said that they care about the club, they care about the franchise, um, and that they uh, want to be part of the solution. And so, uh, obviously, without uh, the um, head coach and without the head of the front office in place, you know, there's some there's some uncertainty for them, and I respect that and am sympathetic to it. But on the other hand. They're professionals, and and so, uh, you know, we're working through it. Uh, The names that have so far been requested to be next, uh, again, these folks all have the power to say no to any of these interviews, but these who have been requested, uh, Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn, the offensive and defensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions, uh, Anthony Weaver, the Ram, or excuse me, the Ravens defensive line coach and assistant head coach, Raheem Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator, and a report said that they've also reached out to Don Yee, who is the agent for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, obviously, the process is different from a guy who tonight will coach in the college football championship uh, playoff game or the college football playoff championship game uh, and then be available to be hired. If they wanted to hire Jim Harbaugh on Thursday, they could. Um, there's nothing preventing that, I guess, outside of ensuring that they do enough interviews to satisfy the Rooney rule for whatever it's worth. I think Aaron Glenn and Raheem Morris uh, are both black men, uh, so they would satisfy, or interviewing both of them would satisfy the Rooney rule. They are both legit candidates who absolutely should be interviewed for anybody. Uh, the rule is what it is. Um, but just saying, like, the only, you know, we talk about process here. You have these virtual interviews that can take place uh, until basically the 22nd of January with people that are currently with NFL clubs, but the process changes if you were to hire someone who is currently sitting on TV doing a job or uh, who is uh, in college or whatever, uh, doesn't currently have a job, got fired from somewhere else. Uh, say Mike Vrabel is let go in Tennessee. Uh, those those rules change, but you still would have to satisfy the Rooney rule. Uh, and on the front office side of things, so far as of this afternoon, 
You have Adam Peters of the San Francisco 49ers, who is kind of the the hottest name on the market, the assistant general manager in San Fran. Chiefs assistant GM Mike Borgonzi, Eagles assistant GM Alec Hallaby, Ian Cunningham, the assistant GM from the Bears, who recently came to Chicago, previously was in Baltimore for a long time, and then Glenn Cook from the Browns. I've also seen today Mike McDonald's name pop up, the Ravens defensive coordinator on the coaching side of it. So uh, plenty of names to be interviewed, and I'd assume that there could be more. A guy like Frank Smith, the OC in Miami, certainly I think going to get some interviews this cycle as well. When you talk about uh, kind of the process, how Harris would like it, though, I thought this was one of the more interesting answers the commander's managing partner gave today on how he would like this all to go down. Yeah, so my desire is to have the head of the football operations in place and then to work to, to listen very hard to what that person wants to do in terms of the coaching staff. In other words, I think those two things have to work together. And obviously, as I've said before, um, I want to um, – um, you know, get the best talent here and then hold them accountable and um, and work with them, right? So what that person wants to do or not do is really important in our decision process. It doesn't mean that you um, are not involved in it, but it means that you're, you know, to a large extent, you're relying on that person to bring a series of candidates to the table. And so that would be my ideal scenario. On the other hand, <clears throat> you know, there are, uh, we have to move quickly here. So uh, it's not perfect, but that's that's my orientation. He used a phrase in a different answer later that I thought was interesting as well, which is he, he would be flexible for talent. You know, he was asked about the structure, uh, not just in terms of the order, but how would you like this to work? And he said, look, these are 80-hour-a-week jobs. This is uh, a GM or lead football executive who is a full-time, full-time gig. Like, really hard to think about anything else ever. And, like, you become bad to your family. He didn't say that. I said that. Um, like, that's the, that's the way people treat these jobs is it is all-consuming. And the same is true for an NFL head coach, especially for the kind of coach that I think they're going to wind up hiring, who is uh, half head coach, half coordinator, someone who's super involved uh, with the literal micro details of the football operation in a way that Ron Rivera was not until the final five weeks of his tenure. So with that, like you need two people. But he did say, I'll be flexible for the talent. Basically meaning, if we think one guy is awesome, and I think the guy most likely to fit this bill would be Jim Harbaugh, right? Let's say Jim Harbaugh is like, look, I would love to be your head coach. All I do is win. I might rub some people the wrong way, but all I do is win. Josh, I like the cut of your jib. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come be your head coach. As long as you also give me personnel control. Now, would Josh say, I hear you, Jim. I have no problems with that you got to tell me how we're going to set up this front office to make sure that that's successful because I don't know if you know, but the guy you're replacing also had personnel control, and that went terribly. So you need to have a network of scouts and someone who is day-to-day running the front office, even if that person reports to you, to make sure that this works. And I need to know why you think this works. But if he wants that power, it sounds like Josh Harris will be flexible to do what it takes to get the best people in the building. Now... Harris also has to be, and Magic and Mitchell Rails and Bob Myers and and Rick Spielman have to be good enough to say, hey, the best way to get the, or be smart enough to decipher whether getting Jim Harbaugh is more important than getting Aaron Glenn and uh, Ian Cunningham, right? 
can you get two awesome people with a different setup versus the best person with that setup that you think isn't as good? Like these are the kinds of decisions you might wind up making if you're someone like Josh Harris. But he did say, I'm flexible to the talent. I have an ideal of how this goes, but I will be flexible. Uh, and also I'm at the mercy of the fact that this is talent. These are talented people in a competitive business and they're going to have options. So if we, you know, if we are down to two GM candidates and we really like a head coach and that head coach candidate is like, yo, the Falcons also offered me a job and I need to tell them yes or no by tomorrow, you might not have time to hire the GM. And so you, you hire the head coach and you trust that you, your vision has been clear enough that you're looking for people that will have similar visions and that can work well together. Um, and you know, understanding like who are on the lists of the GMs, the GM candidates is really important too. If someone is like, yeah, I've never worked with Ben Johnson, but I know a bunch of people that know him and I, I like him and I'd love to work with him. And then Ben Johnson comes to you and is like, Hey, and three candidates say that, right. And then Ben Johnson is like, Hey, I need to make a decision. I'm ready. Like right now, offer me a contract or I'm going to Atlanta and he's the number one choice. And all three of your GM candidates have all said, I'll work with Ben Johnson. Then who cares what order they're hired in? They're going to get hired together. They're going to work together. And uh, hopefully they'll win a Super Bowl together and be here for a long time. Or they'll depart together in however many years it is that they ultimately depart. So um, there's a lot here uh, that that Harris has got to decipher and work through. And a lot, of, a lot of it is not as clean as I think everyone wants it to be. But... I think he is wishy-washy, if you will. I don't even like that word. He is flexible in the right ways. He is smart. He has got a vision. He understands what needs to happen, and he will check all the boxes along the way, which is why I think a lot of us observing this have a lot of faith in Josh Harris's ability to do this. Of course, he'll have help from Rick Spielman and Bob Myers. We'll hear what uh, Josh had to say about those two men and why he brought them into the search process Next, it's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up at 6.30, real things real people said into real microphones as we wrap up here. Uh, no Dave today. I did just, just text with Dave. Uh, he's ready to go. Coming up at 6.45, Wizards in action tonight. Uh, but we will be all commanders today. Check in with Dave again on our next Wizards game day here on the Team 980. Uh, I promised you that you would hear Josh Harris, though, more from the commander's controlling partner or managing partner, controlling owner, uh, on his search committee moving forward. Very interesting this morning. I was driving out to Ashburn, listening to the junkies here on the Team 980, and uh, when I flipped it on, they were talking all of a sudden about Bob Myers, and I was like, why are you... Uh, guys, come on, focus. You goobers. What are, you, what are you doing? It's it's the Ron Rivera just got fired. Why are you talking about Bob Myers? Oh, you're talking about Bob Myers because it's related. What? So trying to piece that together while I was listening and driving uh, out to Ashburn was pretty nuts for me. Uh, obviously, a lot more clarity by the time Josh Harris was asked about it uh, by John Kime just after 1 p.m. Here is what Harris said. Bob Myers is a winner. Like, who wouldn't want him uh, on your... Uh team trying to help your franchise he knows how to identify talent he knows how to build winning franchises winning cultures I mean, he's obviously not a football person he's not been around football but he's an amazing sports executive and i'm you know really happy to have him helping uh he'll be around uh as an advisor to me 
Uh, he's not going to be involved with the X's and O's, uh, but he'll be involved through the search process and beyond. You know, as it relates to uh, the Washington Commanders helping us uh, build uh, a uh, an amazing franchise, an amazing culture, and a winning culture. Uh, obviously, Rick Spielman brings a wealth of football knowledge, uh, the ins and outs of football. Uh, he did; he was executive of the year with the Vikings, you know, with many other teams, and kind of brings that knowledge of football that you need, you know, when you're interviewing uh, candidates. Uh, and so he's going to be helping us through the search process, and we'll see after that. I don't, Matt. Uh, all right, so there you go, uh, Harris, on uh, what those guys bring. And, and I think tomorrow we'll talk more in depth about kind of the differences. And Mike Tannenbaum was really good with this uh, about whoa, 30, 40 minutes ago on this. The differences in building an NBA versus building a uh, NFL team. But I think when you talk about Myers specifically, who is obviously the, I think, the splashier hire, people immediately are like, oh, yeah, that guy's a genius. He drafted Steph Curry, got lucky with Steph's ankles, and then – Oh, yeah, his culture's so great. Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole in the face. They won four championships. They created something that was the envy of the entire sport. Steph is, without question, the most important part of that. Not only as a player, and yes, they got lucky. Bob would be the first person to tell you that. They got really lucky with Steph's ankles. But Bob also had the belief in Steph and who he was as a person that he would continue to fight through those ankle injuries where other guys might have just retired. Other guys might have just called it quits. And he's like, nope, we're committing. We're four years, $44 million. Uh, We're not going to overcommit. Uh, and then all of a sudden you get the salary cap jump and uh, the weird stuff happens with with them losing or blowing the 3-1 lead after coming back from 3-1 down in, in the Western Conference Finals, which kind of pulls Kevin Durant to come play there. And like, yeah, they, they won titles because they recruited it, but they also built that thing on a core that they drafted. And yes, later on, did they make mistakes drafting James Wiseman uh, over some other guys that were better? They paid Jordan Poole a bunch of money. But like, they paid Jordan Poole a bunch of money after they won a title in which he played a huge part. Every NBA executive does that. And yes, there things kind of went sideways at the end with Draymond, and that punch seems to have changed a lot uh, for a lot of people, for Myers, for Draymond, for Jordan. But that doesn't override the overwhelming success, and as someone who has followed that dynasty as closely as you can from as far away as I am, as someone who is, you know, I was, I remember at Christmas time in 2015 being like, the Warriors are winning the title. Like, y'all don't understand. And it became like a bit on the show that I was working on in Dallas at the time. And then lo and behold, I was right. And they were like, oh, maybe this kid actually knows what he's talking about. So long story short, Myers is probably the second most important person. If not, it's Draymond and then Bob Myers. Like Steve Kerr is really important. Clay, those are the top five, the three guys uh, and Kerr and Myers. But like Myers vision to fire Mark Jackson, hire Steve Kerr to smooth that over. Because by the way, Steph Curry was not very excited about that. He was a big Mark Jackson guy and he, and and Bob had the courage to make that move because he understood the culture and the, the kind of confluence of circumstances that would need to come together to build a sustained winner. And he did it. And I think that is what appeals to Josh Harris here is not just have the Warriors been good on and off. They have been a factor 
in a major way for a decade. And that's what Josh wants to build. And he assumes that, and correctly so, I think, that Bob Myers knows what kind of people can do that and that he can help identify those characteristics of who will work well together, how it will work, what the organizational structure needs to work work like, and if that person that they're hiring for that football executive position has the clear enough vision to be able to get that done. And I think that's really valuable. Now, Rick Spielman's got a really big job because, by the way, Josh Harris is really smart. Mitchell Rails is really smart. They've all got a lot of different experiences. And Magic Johnson, by the way, extraordinarily smart in and outside of sport and has built a billion-dollar enterprise. And all of those guys have organizational leadership uh, experience out the wazoo. Rick Spielman also has some, uh, in, in fact, a lot. Like He was executive for the Vikings for 10 years. Uh, and and had other jobs around that. Um, but he's the only guy in the room with football acumen. And he's got to make sure that, that whatever the football experience, whether it's analytics, whether it's cap, whether it's scouting, that the person coming in is up to snuff on the football side of it. And that is kind of going to be a one-man job for Rick Spielman uh, in this search process, which I think is going to be pretty interesting. And then, you know, I thought it was also interesting that Harris said, yeah, no, Bob Myers uh, will probably – uh, continue on advising him after. Uh, by the way, uh, he did, uh, or sorry, Myers will stay with ESPN where he's an NBA analyst as well. So if you're watching their coverage, you'll be like, hey, that's the guy who's helping the commanders pick their next thing when he's not on not on TV. Um, other than that, today, uh, a lot of other different interesting things. We'll play more of this sound for you tomorrow, some in real things next. But um, Harris ended his press conference, which I thought, what I thought was an interesting quote, which is he was asked what it meant for him to be able to talk to the players today. So they had a team meeting about around nine o'clock and Ron was allowed, even though he had been dismissed at that point, Ron had been allowed to say a few words to the players, which I think was classy and correct by Josh Harris. Uh, and then he talked to the players and he, he, he gets it. Uh, he knows who wins in this league. I think it's very important. Look, at the end of the day, the players are uh, the ones that win games. Owners don't win games. Coaches don't win games. Players win games. And they see things that you don't always see. They experience the world in a different way. Uh, you know, we're not out there. They are. And so I think it's very important to be having a dialogue with, your, with the players, uh, listening to some of the leadership, listening to how they feel about things. Obviously, ultimately, uh, the decision uh, rests with me and the ownership group as to who the leadership is. So you don't you don't give away that decision making authority. But um, I think it's very important to be engaged with your players, particularly the captains and the leadership. And one thing that I mentioned earlier in the show that I think is going to be a fun conversation for maybe later in the week is who those captains and who the leadership is moving forward is really really important. Logan and I actually talked about this on Take Command, which by the way the full podcast is out on your favorite podcast platform right now. But I think when you look at the disconnect within the locker room this year and some of the comments made recently by Jahan Dotson, for instance, about we're, we're not, we're accepting things that, that aren't going to win. Um, I look at comments by Charles Leno and Logan Thomas, two veterans who are your leaders that uh, very clearly were not on the same page as Eric Bieniemy. And I don't know who's right in that equation. I think this is a very important thing to, to point out. 
I don't know whether Logan Thomas was right and, and Charles Leno was right or whether Eric Bieniemy was right. Obviously, the resumes would tell you probably Bieniemy uh, based off the Super Bowl rings and championship appearances. But maybe for this team and, and understanding who was in the locker room and how guys' buttons needed to be pushed or not, uh, Thomas and Leno had a point. Um, long story short, when your coach and your coaching staff are not on the same page as your lead veterans, that's not a formula for success. So whoever the next people are need to realize, hey, who's on the same page with us, who's not? If you're not on the same page, you need to get out and you need to get out as fast as, as we can get you out. And we need to empower people that are on the same page because especially in football, there is nothing more powerful than a unit moving together. You can't, you'd rather have an inferior plan, but everybody believes in it and executes it and, and is all in on the highest level than this technically perfect plan on paper that half the people really aren't that into. And I think that's a huge thing that they battled this season. And uh, obviously, they didn't win that battle. 4-13, and 13, head coach, see ya on Black Monday. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And when we get back, we wrap up the show with a little more Josh Harris and a little more other stuff and real things real people said into real microphones. It's the Hoffman Show. Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Streaming live on YouTube as we have been the entire day at the Team 980. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a good day. Uh, on on the old stream, Anthony uh, just had the audio earlier for uh, for Sheehan and Russell, and then uh, people people can see us, which is which is fun. A lot of folks subscribing too. Last time I checked, we were at like a hundred subscribers on the day, uh -oh. which uh, means we're getting close to a thousand. Yep. Um, considering that we've kind of been slowly building for a while, I say I say we add some just some jet fuel to this, and people should just. Subscribe in mass right now and just get us to a thousand by like the end of the day. That'd Let's cool. go. End of the uh, week. I'm just saying, no, end of the day. Rocket fuel, bro. End of the show. End of the, I mean, now we're talking. <laughs> you seen that? You seen that rocket go by? Yo. Did you hear that rocket go by? What it, what it sound like? <laughs> if you know, you know. So, uh, it's Black Monday. And I think what's kind of weird is woke up to the news that Arthur Smith had been fired. Figured that with the team meeting at 9, Ron would be fired before 9. And sure enough, he was. They met sometime around 8, 8.30. Uh, and the news got out pretty quick after that. Like, okay, we're done here. That's been it today. Um, you had the Giants fire their O-line coach, and Wink Martindale resigned. Am I missing anything, Anthony? That's, got, every, that's literally everything. There's not, like, another position coach that got canned today? I mean, maybe there should be somebody on the hot seat. I mean, there's uh, definitely still some people on the hot seat, right? Okay. Like, Vrabel, Belichick, yeah. they're meeting with ownership later this week. You think Dennis Allen? Uh, apparently he's staying. Really? After what happened on the, the last play of the game? I mean, that's a weird bit, but, like, I don't think that's a fireable offense. I mean, I don't, I don't know if the the guys in that locker room respect him, man. I mean, it's I, not a bad point. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I was, I was very shocked to see the Saints go out there and get in victory formation and you know still score. But yeah, I don't know. 
Um, Pete Carroll says he re- plans to return for a 15th straight year. Um, you know, Vikings talking about bringing Kirk Cousins back. Um, then you got a lot of like headlines like this. Wide receivers, Allen Williams, hope to stay with Chargers. Yeah, hope, because they got a lot of money due, and the Chargers need to make some tough cap moves. So, it's going to be an interesting few days. Mm-hmm. I think if Rabel gets in the mix, that changes, that changes the market. He becomes the guy. He's done, he's done a pretty damn good job in... In Tennessee, but I also think like he proves why everyone talking about how D'Amico is breaking the mold for the offensive guys in Houston is like you're way early because Mike Vrabel won a ton of games with Matt LaFleur and then Arthur Smith. And then he ran out of OCs. I think he hired like Todd Downing. And like Todd Downing is not as good as Arthur Smith, who was not as good as Matt LaFleur. And, like, this is the problem. If Bobby Slowick gets a job in Houston this offseason, this cycle, what does D'Amico do? He might be able to hire another OC. And if that OC leads C.J. Stroud to another 4,000-yard season, D'Amico's going to have to hire another OC. But do you think they're talking about it from the aspect of him just being, like, super young? Like, he's almost a decade younger than Rabel. And, you know... Look, I, like, I think D'Amico's a great coach. Yeah. And I think Vrabel and I think Quinn, I think Raheem Morris. Mm-hmm. Like, I think all these guys are are good coaches and, like, can win you games and can win you Super Bowls in the NFL. But the problem is, and let, like, here's the how you win in the NFL. You have an elite offensive coordinator with elite offensive talent plus, like, a good quarterback. And that's sustainable, Right. But if you lose any of that, you're you're toast, right? Like you could have a great defense, but if you don't have an offense that complements it, you're not going to win. Yeah. And so if your OC leaves, that's probably good enough to drop off to where you're not going to be able to sustain winning. Um, or if you lose like a couple key offensive players, right? The other way to do it is the Belichick Brady model, which is. Your quarterback's so good. And maybe this is what D'Amico will wind up having with Stroud in Houston. What CJ did this year was ridiculous. Yep. Right? So if Stroud's so good that it doesn't matter who his OC is and the defense just is killer every year because D'Amico's that good, they can win long-term in, in Houston. That's that's another formula. Mm. But then you have to get the quarterback right and not just not just like pretty right. Not Dak Prescott right, not Trevor Lawrence right, not like quarterbacks, not Justin Herbert right. You have to get it Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady right. And I just think getting a great offensive head coach that's an OC uh, and can have some sustainability via system and the bar's not quite as high for quarterback is probably a more sustainable model. And like Vrabel, Dan Quinn in Atlanta, We'll see with D'Amico. Like those are those are the rule, not the exceptions. And those guys are freaking awesome football coaches. Yeah. It's just hard. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird NFL, man. It's a weird NFL. It is. It is. Uh, all right. Josh Harris uh, today. Anthony, what if you get one more uh, Josh Harris bite? Any any of the ones when you actually let's do this one. Uh, Josh Harris asked about the Commanders brand by Michael Phillips. Are you are you sticking with the branding? Uh, 
I w- there's one word that he doesn't say in this answer that, uh, or are you open to changing the brand? Are you planning to change the brand? One word that he says in this uh, this answer that that uh, is is fairly important or doesn't say. Listen closely. Yeah, as you can see, we're a little busy. Uh, <clears throat> um, you know, in addition to uh, basically uh, picking uh, a new head of the front office, a new coach. Uh, and I see uh, Mark in the front. Uh, there, uh, we're busy at work, um, working on uh, the the next improvements to our stadium, uh, in terms of uh, fan experience, in terms of premium areas, and fixing a lot of different things, and investing in the stadium. We're going to be rolling out a big investment program uh, in the next few weeks, and that there's an enormous amount of detail uh, that the business staff and you know some of the ownership group are working on. And then we've got, obviously, uh, our new home and thinking about that. And so um, right now our focus today is on sports first and foremost and then these other things. And so, uh, you know, those are our focuses right now. You know know what word he didn't say uh, in there, Anthony? I don't. He didn't say no. He didn't say no, we're not going to. So he just left left the door open. Okay. They got other stuff they got to work on right now. Yeah. My, I am still of the camp that unless they turn this thing around quickly and they do lots of winning, when they open a new stadium is when they will try to rebrand. They're going to, it is so expensive to do this that if you just have a little bit of patience and all of a sudden in a couple of years, because they've won a Super Bowl, people are like, come on, they're, they're out there screaming Doug Williams style. We are. We are the commanders. Maybe even a. <laughs> then that's gonna be me. <laughs> yeah, you'll just be out there. <laughs> um, that they'll there'll be some love for the brand at that point. But if they haven't quite gotten there, they're still turning it around, and the new stadium is on the horizon. That thing's gone. Mm-hmm. Hundred uh, percent. All right. Last but not least, real things. We're not gonna be. So this year, real people. Five and eleven, not very good. Said into real microphones. You know the culture is actually damn good. Touching story today from Tressway. Uh, we can we can treat Ron Rivera with some humanity on the way out. Uh, really touching from Tress. He he is just the best man. Like I uh, I I just got a chance to go chat with him and I told him. A lot of a lot of people may not know this story in particular. I don't think he mind me sharing. But uh, the COVID season of 2020, we're in the middle of a, a playoff push uh, and towards the end of the year, and, and my my dad got really sick with COVID and ultimately was in the hospital, and we ended up losing dad just before the Philly game. And for two weeks, coach coaches called every night. Just that is the kind of man that Ron Rivera was as a coach and and is and will be. Um, a good man for sure, but not a good enough football coach. Certainly not during his time in Washington. That concludes our Black Monday coverage here on the Team 980. Take a man podcast available for more now. And we'll see you tomorrow here on the Hoffman Show.